Welcome to the I and Team Podcast with Brian Smith and Mary Smith. You are more important to your team than you might believe. Everybody has something to contribute, and most importantly, that's influence. Learn more on today's program. Now, here is Brian Smith and Mary Smith. Hey guys, welcome back to the Ion Team Podcast. I'm your host, Mary Smith, here with my dad, Brian Smith. Hello, everybody. And this week, we're bringing you a little bit of a different episode. We're actually going to do a little bit of a throwback to some of our unseen and unheard footage from before we started the Ion Team Podcast for real. Um, do you want to do a little bit of explaining of all the videos and audio that's in our vault? Sure. So um, when we were first kicking around uh, doing this with uh, you uh, and putting together the Ion Team Podcast, we wrote out an outline and Mary and I just started recording, um, trying it out, see if we could actually do it. So uh, through all that, we learned some things about ourselves and some things about our content. So we're going to pull that back out of the vault and give you a taste of what we think is the foundational uh, parts about what we teach at IA and what the I and Team series is all about, which is getting centered and focused for yourself and how to get yourself ready uh, for some of the lessons that we teach. So what you're going to hear out of the vault is uh, a part about environmental urgency. That's where the environment around you, whatever that might be, work, family, friends, and how it creates urgency. And that urgency then uh, lays the foundation for us to have immediate gratification. We've got to get what we want. We need it really fast because we need to feel satisfied with whatever that is. If it's texting and returning people's texts or uh, whatever it is in life, we want it to get done fast, 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 and technology has really caused that to happen. Mm-hmm. And that takes us to the biggest chapter of uh, individual advantage, the I, Find the I and Team, our book, which is slowing down. And we'll dive into how you can slow down, how you can control environmental urgency, how you can understand what it is you want and why you want immediate gratification. Mm-hmm. And then from there we get focus and then we can think forward. So it's those five points that we're going to pull out of the vault uh, this next week here and uh, share with you. So we'll probably do this. We've got a lot of vault material. We'll also can continue to uh, record it. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll- so yeah, it's basically just a whole bunch of teaching lessons from our first book. So that's what we originally started with when we started the podcast. We kind of changed it. So now that we interview people to find out what their influence is in their industry. So we're going to start kind of like mixing it in because we do have a lot of material to use. And it is a huge foundation for what we teach in general and in our book. So it'll be a really special episode. It'll be its first one. We're calling it uh, Into the Vault or Open the Vault. Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was just today but, too, but that gets you, you know what, the environment today well, was a little overwhelming for us uh, coming mm-hmm. into the office and I can't even remember the title of uh, this podcast, what you're watching right now. So that is even <laughs> more in- interesting, right? You can just look guys, you'll see yeah. it. <laughs> So we hope you enjoy uh, what we're pulling out and we'll see you at the end of the show and get you set up for uh, next week's show also. So I hope you enjoy. Hope you enjoy guys. Today we are going to talk about immediate gratification. 
and really what that means um, in the workplace and uh, individually to ourselves. So now, uh, at least at this time uh, in society, we're bombarded with uh, this need to immediately react and to complete tasks and to get things done just as quickly as possible. And funny enough, it's turned into part of our subconscious. Um, you can walk down the street and watch people and see how quickly they will pull a phone out or respond to an electronic stimulation. And by that, I mean, you know, phones um, or reply to social postings. Um, we set all these uh, notifications and reminders so that we know exactly when somebody's trying to communicate with us and we feel like now as humans we have to communicate back and that's really spilled over into uh, the expectations that we set um, for people to respond to us, people to get things done for us. Um, our patience has, uh, has gotten to where we don't have much of it. And I believe that uh, that's come primarily from the introduction of technology into um, our society and at all levels, not just at the workplace, but in the personal level. You know, it's a really thing that's kind of dear to me, uh, immediate gratification, because it, it goes back to a long time ago. In, in 2001, when I argued my dissertation, which was titled technology-induced attention deficit disorder. In 2001, we didn't have um, smartphones like we do today. We didn't have social networking. We didn't have this communication infrastructure in place. Um, we did have the internet and we did have email and we did have uh, rudimentary forms of text messaging and, and other types of electronic communication that well, not as quick as today, they were still a lot quicker than we were used to, say, even in the 90s or, well, way before that in the 80s. But what I saw happening through the 90s with the introduction of um, personal computers on the desktop was an increase in people's expectation to have information delivered to them sooner. And way back in the late 90s and early 2000s, but really in the late 90s, we started to see people in office environments begin to expect data quicker, answers to questions quicker, um, decisions to be made quicker. And it prompted me and really led me to write that dissertation because I believe technology has created a certain form of attention, de attention deficit disorder which drives the need for immediate gratification. We lose interest if we're not being, uh, if we're not being answered. We lose patience, we lose interest, and those are all signs of ADD. Thinking forward is preparing yourself to be focused um, in whichever personal environment or work environment you're going to be in. So when you're at work, um, preparing your work environment to have less impact from maybe personal issues. 
And I'm not talking about disconnecting so that you can uh, receive emergency phone calls or respond to your spouse or your children. And I'm mostly talking more about what happens today with social, uh, social networking interruptions, um, outside influence that is beyond our control because we allow for people to invade us in those places. So thinking forward is preparing your environment. And when you remove work or the personal aspects of your life out of the environment you're trying to, to have the most influence in at the time, you'll notice that your attention will be accentuated. You'll be able to focus better. And it's a scary thing sometimes to do. It's scary even for some people just to shut the door and close themselves off from that environment that might be just right outside. They may feel or you may feel like you need to have a lot of direct control. This can also work against us. And I think this is a good place for Mary to jump in. Mary works uh, primarily from home in Washington, just outside of Washington, D.C., and that environment means that she's on an island. So how do you prepare yourself, Mary, to not feel like you're on an island all the time and get yourself in work mode um, in a place where you're alone, but you need to collaborate almost on a regular basis? So we do a really good job at IEA preparing for like communicating with others. We have multiple messaging systems and each has their own function. We have like personal messaging systems where we can just be like, hey, would you mind doing this for me real quick? We have business messaging systems where we're like, hey, I need you to edit this or I need you to look at this particular document. So communicating is actually really easy, but I do find that I miss out on a lot of stuff that happens at the bigger office because everyone can just talk there in person so I need to like make sure that I ask the right questions when I do talk with people who are in the office because I need to know like what they're talking about when I'm not there. And a lot of the time they're not going to tell me what they're talking about when I'm not there. So I just make sure to ask. Um, and I kind of like working on my own little island. Um, I feel like I get a lot more done because I can focus better. Um, and it's just nice. I'm able to plan out my day. I make sure I take like little breaks so I don't get like burnt out too quickly. Or if I'm working on a really long project, I just make sure to schedule in little breaks. But I think I do a pretty good job at making it work, even though I don't have the work environment that most people have. Very good. Well, one of the things that can also help is <clears throat> creating checklists, task lists, adding some structure uh, to your life so that you set through that structure some habits by which you can get whatever responsibilities you have to have the best influence you can um, in your area of influence. So if you're an accountant, um, setting up a calendar that might be date-driven for deadlines for filing um, the right documents or the right forms or the right tax documents. Um, or if you're an editor, you know, meeting editing deadlines, similarly for graphic designers. Now, there's always exceptions um, 
to all of those things, but the real key is to not allow the exceptions to become the rule. You know, create new positive habits based on and using the environments that you have geared towards meeting the obligations that you have. So when you can actually, in a structured way, prepare your environment to support that, um, you will find that you'll be more efficient, you'll get more work done, you'll feel more collaborative, and as Mary said, schedule those times in for breaks. Also, if you need to, if you're feeling disconnected, schedule some time in to have one-on-one -on -one time or one-to-group time with those people that you collaborate with. It'll be really helpful for you to feel connected to them, to get some feedback or some insights. So setting yourself up, thinking forward about how you're gonna communicate through the different uh, issues that you're trying to deal with and the different collaborations you have are really important. We set up team meetings at IA and some of us call in, some of us are on uh, a, a visual or uh, use Teams. So some of us are in a conference room and everybody has an opportunity to participate as visually and also as audibly as, as possible in our team environment. And the costs aren't that high either. It's one of the nice things about the new technologies of our world. So one of the things that uh, uh, drives communication is what we call environmental urgency. Um, so environmental urgency can happen anywhere. Um, and there's a lot of different aspects to environmental urgency. Uh, and sometimes what happens is whatever is going on around us in our environment can throw us off. You could be deep in thought doing really good deep work and somebody will come into your office and throw you off and literally just you'll lose track of what's going on. So some of the things that we've already talked about, having technology, having task lists, having some structure that's built into your life and into uh, your functionality so that you can have the highest impact. One of the things that can help with environmental urgency is having third parties hold you accountable for uh, different things. Uh, they can help police who comes through your door. They can give you timelines and interrupt you in prearranged uh, time sequences so that you don't go, go over. One of the worst things that's happened to me is I'll get so deep in thought, close myself off because of environmental urgency. I don't want to be bothered. Close myself into a work environment and I've actually worked past a time that I've set for myself, missed meetings, missed telephone calls, um, which creates an entirely different type of environmental urgency for whoever that meeting or whatever deadline I have now blown by. Mary, how do you find uh, environmental urgency can affect you when you're not in an office, when you are isolated like you are on that island? So I think for me, I have to be very particular about what time I'm going to be working and what time I'm not going to be working. So environmental urgency, I think, can cause a lot of anxiety, especially when it comes to communicating with people through technology. 
Um, especially my generation, we feel like we always have to be on our phone. We always have to answer people immediately. We always have to check our emails and give everyone a prompt answer, but that's not really the case. And I think that that's been one of the most like important parts of my philosophy in my environment of urgency is I am on my computer Monday to Friday for eight to 10 hours every day. And I have my email open and that's the time that people can email me if they need me or they'll see that I'm on Skype and they can message me or they'll see that I'm on Microsoft Teams and they can message me. But people know that I don't keep email on my phone because when I'm not on my computer, I'm not working. And I've very strictly set those boundaries for myself which really helps me working on an island because feeling like I always have to be there for someone and always have to be responding to people makes me feel anxious. So when I have these set boundaries and people know that those are my set boundaries, it makes me feel less anxious. One of the things I say that there's no magic formula to slowing down. Slowing down does require one thing, willpower. Um, willpower isn't limitless either. You can run out. It's almost like energy. Uh, if you use up too much willpower, you're just not going to be able to keep going. And if you're trying to do too many things at once, um, which is a lot like going too fast, um, you will run out of willpower. So one of the things I want to uh, bring in is asking Mary is, Mary, this section, I think, coming from the technology-driven um, group of people, your generation has been really inundated with technology and raised with technology and you rely on technology more than people from my generation. How did this particular part of the book really affect you and what did it do for you? I think for me in particular, I happen to be a very slow person in my normal life and my everyday life when I'm not working, but the book helped me realize that I'm not as slow when I'm working for work. I'm very fast, my mind moves very quickly, and it makes me anxious, it makes me feel frustrated. Um, and those emotions really hindered my work because when you feel anxious and you feel upset, you can't work with a clear mind and you can't get work done as quickly. So, for me, it really helped me because I realized I really needed to apply like my slowness from my everyday life, and I needed to apply that to my work life as well. And it really helped me to realize that like things are going to be okay, and things are going to be they're going to work out. They're going to work out the way they're meant to work out. And as long as you're doing your best and applying your best, then it's going to be okay. But in order to do that, in order to be your best and to use a clear mind, you do need to slow down. And you need to just kind of like relax and focus on your current moment and your current task. And by doing that, by focusing, you actually relieve a lot of that anxiety. And I found that by being more present in my life and not worrying too much about the future and not worrying about the past when I'm doing work tasks has really helped me to do tasks more efficiently. Right, right. So... You know, humans, we have a tendency to just speed through everything, right? I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I got to get it to the next task. 
And we, as humans, also tend to measure ourselves based on time, how fast we get something done, based on some deadline, which usually is based on time. Um, setting expectations can, or having expectations set for us, can cause us to also go too fast. And sometimes we do it to ourselves, and sometimes the people that we are subordinate to or that we answer to set unrealistic expectations. And it can manifest itself anytime, anywhere. And when it does, one of the first things that you just pointed out, Mary, that you feel is anxiety. And oddly enough, anxiety can cause us to actually go faster because we want to get done faster. And one of the things that happens uh, when we do that is we make mistakes. And that really is the first part of uh, the lesson is, is when we go too fast, we do have a tendency to make mistakes. We overlook things. We don't cross the T's. We don't dot the I's, which is simplistic, but it really does identify the level of problems that we face. And when we don't cross the T's or dot the I's, when we don't look at the finer details, we have to circle back around and redo our work. Uh, we have to answer for the mistakes that we make because we go too fast. Um, in the book, I share a story. Actually, a story that I share, um, and I call it the peanut butter syndrome, because it truly does identify how going too fast can interfere with the mo with the most simple functions that we have in life. And one morning, I was getting ready for work. I was uh, my mind was in a place that wasn't where I was. I wasn't at, in the present moment. I was thinking about where I was going what I was going to do in an hour or two hours uh, from that time. And I was doing something at my house that we all do often in our houses every day, getting ready and having breakfast. And at the time, my breakfast consisted of peanut butter toast. And I was toasting bread and I go open up the cupboard and am looking for uh, the peanut butter so that I could put peanut butter on my toast. And in frustration, because I wasn't really thinking about the peanut butter, I was thinking about the meeting I was gonna have in the near future. In frustration, ask Renee, where's the peanut butter? To which she answered as she reached over my shoulder, it is right here, right in front of my face. First thing on the on, at eye level was peanut butter. But because my mind was someplace else, uh, my thoughts, uh, my attention was elsewhere. I didn't even see it right there in front of my face. And so I call that peanut butter syndrome and I use it on a weekly basis uh, when trying to put into context to people what going too fast can do to us and what problems it can cause and how important. Imagine if you can miss something that you look at every day in your cupboard at your house, what you could miss in a work environment, what you could miss in situation awareness when you walk into a customer and you're trying to evaluate um, what that customer might need. And if you are thinking about something, the next meeting or something that's going on in your life at home or something that's going on at work that's other than what's going on at that moment, you're going too fast and you really cannot focus on 
what is required at that moment. So slowing down for us is really about being present, right? It's about being in the moment, having situation awareness, understanding what's going on around you at that time, and staying focused. And the big question now that comes to everybody is, well, how do I do that? You know, how do I get in the moment? And it requires that willpower and it requires that self-discipline. So how about you, Mary, share with everybody how you might slow yourself down when you feel yourself speeding up and being uh, drawn away from your present moment into something that is distracting you and taking you somewhere else. So for me, and I recently discovered this, and I want everyone to know that you're going to have to do some trial and error to figure out what's really going to help you slow down because it's not going to be the same for everyone. Um, the way your brain works, who you are, it's all going to affect how you slow down. So I've been trying different things for a few months and I recently found one thing that really helps me and I realized that it helps me. Say hello to Bilbo. Hi, Bilbo. <laughs> He's very active. <laughs> um, so sometimes when I'm not sleeping well at night, when my brain is racing really fast and I'm really tired and I want to sleep, but I'm really thinking about everything, I have to remind myself that there is a time and a place to think about these things. And it's not when I'm trying to go to sleep. Like my sleep time is my sleep time. And being awake is my time to think about things. So when I realized that applying that to being able to fall asleep, I could apply that method to slowing my life down. When I start to get really anxious or when I start to get really flustered with what I'm doing, I stop myself and I think, is this the time and place to be thinking about this? And if it's not, then I will make a note of it on the side in written form so that I don't forget because then later I don't want to be thinking oh my gosh what was I thinking about <laughs> so I write it on the side and then I tell myself I'll worry about that later that there is a time and a place for me to think about that and worry about that and I trust myself to know that I'm going to figure it out but in order to finish what I have at hand and in my present moment I need to put everything else aside and just remind myself that I can A, capably handle the issue, and B, I can do it at another time. It doesn't have to be right now while I'm trying to finish work. Okay, everybody. I hope uh, that you guys enjoyed our show this week and the footage that we had out of the vault. Um, I hope that it might have helped you to uh, identify or realize those things in your environment that create urgency um, and that make you feel like you have to have immediate gratification whatever that might be you know uh what was that it, can be sometimes people feel immediate gratification when they want to eat something sometimes people feel it when they're waiting in line at the grocery store or shopping like they want to get check out faster they want to get to the line quicker some people feel immediate gratification when they're stuck in traffic so it's important to understand where you feel the need for immediate gratification so that you can better understand yourself Yep, and it'll help you to slow down. And when you slow down, you can have some focus. And then when you can focus, you can start thinking forward. And when it all comes together, this part of the foundation 
of find the eye in team. That's find your influence. And it's hard to find our influence before we understand what influences us first. So that's why we took this out of the vault first. And this is gonna lead us down the path in the future with our shows. As we interview more people starting next week, and as we bring more material out of the vault, and we start to weave together the influences we create for ourselves, the influences that we have that affect us, that we have no control over up front, and how we go out into our daily lives and influence others. So I hope that you enjoyed the show today. Please subscribe uh, and follow us on Twitter. Facebook, uh, Facebook LinkedIn, LinkedIn. It's the Iron Team Series, Iron Team Series. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, or uh, on Twitter, uh, Your Biz Doctor. And we look forward to seeing you and, and talking to you next week. Have a great weekend. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the I in Team podcast. We hope we've positively influenced you and you've picked something up from the show that you can use in building and influencing other individuals or your team. Please join us soon for another program on the Voice America Business Channel.